about having Brian on, by the way. So we talk loud when he's around. We do, yeah. <laughs> Brian was allowed. He was. He started us off at high volume. We're mumblers. We are mumblers, but good morning, uh, everybody out there, our listeners. This is Faith Over Breakfast. Uh, my name's Andy Littleton. I'm yeah. sitting here with Hi, Eric Seepin. Say hello, Eric, again. Hello, hey. hello. Eric. Hello, hello. Eric's with a church called The Village. In Tucson, Arizona, I'm with a church called Mission Church. In Tucson, Arizona, we're sitting up at the loft at Exo Coffee, which is a place we like. Um, they have great food and beverage. Today, I am having a muffin that is excellent. Skipping out on the full breakfast today for whatever reason. Eric's not drinking coffee. Brian's not here. He is going to be gone for a long time. Long, long time. Long, long time. So everything's just changed. It's all different. No caffeine, no breakfast sandwich for me. My coffee's the same. Yes. Everything is in upheaval in the world. And what what do we do? Where do we go from here? I don't know. But uh, we probably should start with how's your dad doing? How's my dad doing? Yeah. So yeah, for you know, if you if you didn't catch last podcast, um, my dad uh, has been diagnosed with cancer, went in for surgery, and um, he is home as of last night. Oh, wow. He's home. Yeah. So he's, he's still uncomfortable. There's a lot of stuff to figure out, but he was released from the hospital. He's eating normal food. Which so is, that means he farted, because that was the big part the of the big, podcast. Yeah, yeah, the big goal was <laughs> my dad would fart um, for a while in the hospital. So faith over breakfast. Here we go. We're talking about <laughs> farting. Let's you know. just get that out there. Yeah, let's now. get it out there. So, um, yeah, that was the big goal. And my dad, who never jokes about that kind of stuff, we got him to crack some smiles about about this in the hospital, you know. Like, That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So he, things are moving. Things are, things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's home. But um, we got we to gotta follow up with all this cancer care stuff. Yeah. There's a lot to figure out. So, yeah, if... Uh, if you pray out there, feel free to pray for my dad, my family. Um, he's he's kind of scared. The yeah, whole thing. My mom's nervous. I'm what's your dad's name? Leroy. Leroy. So yeah. pray for Leroy. Pray for Leroy. And uh, yeah, check out that last podcast to hear more about our dads. That was an interesting yeah. conversation. It was a very interesting. People have commented some on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was good. I need to. I'll share it on my Facebook page and stuff like that. I need to put it out there a little bit more. Yeah, well, because we missed that one podcast, we're down listeners, and oh man, so we we got to start promoting. Yeah, right. You know, get get people out there yeah. listening to us again. Yeah, our consistency has gone down, but you know, just I, I think my consistency in life was down for the last couple of weeks. So sorry, yeah. people, and deal with it. Yeah, that's the way it is. Like, I'm, <laughs> we're we're guys. We we're not always consistent we're pastors, but sometimes we don't make it to the meeting. You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. We don't make it to the meeting, <laughs> but uh, yeah. We, another thing I want to I want to jump into really quick before we uh, we head into our topic today. Today I, I brought up we we've changed it up real quick here at the last minute. Brian was going to be with us. We were going to talk about some stuff that was on his mind. We were going to talk about him, but he has successfully avoided that. He says he's working. I think he is just running. I think he's on the run. He doesn't want to talk about himself. That's. That's what I'm gathering. I'm thinking I'm going to take that interview that you did with him, and I'm going to clip it. Okay. And maybe put out the clips of little interviews with Brian. Through, little interviews with Brian through the through the year. Okay. That he's gone to kind of like you know. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good idea. That'll be fun. So Brian's not here. So let's uh hey 
who who votes to approve that motion? I. I. Oh, look, it's done. Okay, there's only two of us here. Sorry, Brian. Um, anyway, and uh, I want to talk about this uh, sexual harassment stuff. I mean, this is uh, you got Harvey Weinstein, you've got you know the hashtag Me Too movement, and um, I don't know. I've been thinking about it. it. Sounded like for you, this wasn't like the big thing on your mind this this morning, this week, but. Um, but it's on the mind of our people, our churches. Um, sure. It's a big thing. And, you know, I, I have to say that this morning, I, I'd read some things last night, and this morning it was kind of on my mind because I've got some, I don't know, kind of trying to work out some of this stuff in my head, some of the responses of some people I know. So Sure. We're going we're gonna to get into that. Um, I'd love to talk at the end of that, so, so don't let me forget, I would love to talk about, you know, how we in our churches and Christianity see finding a solution or working toward healing sure. in these areas. But um, well, it seems like that that'll be peppered in yeah. the whole conversation, is my guess. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, of course. But uh, but first of all, your your village conference. Yeah, it's happening coming. November second to the fourth, and uh, in fact, this week is really my last week of regular work in the sense of meeting with people and oh, that yeah. kind of thing and and prepping because I, I really need to sit down and put in the hours to like refining what talks I'm going to make and wow. helping out with whatever details we need to put together and, mm. um, and, and it's kind of weird because we've had this uh, thing that's coincided with the conference that's relatively cool but also stressful and that is that uh the Hilton over on um, Broadway, I think in Pantana, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. has donated floor after floor after floor of furniture to the village. So we're talking wow. maybe over, if, oh. if you were to pay full price for all of it, maybe over a million dollars worth of furniture. It's crazy. So right how, now... How did that happen? Sorry. How, uh, we just, uh, we have you, a just guy, know, you just know somebody? We have a guy in our wow. church who is... is heading up the mm. entire electrical part of the okay. contracting and so he just asked for it and they said sure we'll give it to the church that's crazy if he can deal with it so he's got to recoup his costs because he's using his men to do a lot of the shipping yeah but we've been handing out like a ton of furniture to people at the village so that's all happening this week we have like 300 mattresses wow I mean, we've become a mattress store just like that dude there's there aren't enough mattress stores here in Tucson. Oh, I know. I mean, well, those are all drug funds. So those oh, are right. Really mattress yeah, stores. they must be a front for something. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, man. So, <laughs> I don't know. So, like, that's a little stressful in the coordinating of things and stuff yeah. like that. We have a, a huge, like, um, connex that just got dropped off. And we're having, I think, three more pods that are going to land at our church. Oh, which so will, it's being delivered to your church? Some of it, it will, to get... You know, because we got to put it on Craigslist, and we're going to start selling it. We're looking at uh, you know uh, hotel liquidators uh, to just take huge chunks of it and wow. stuff like that. So, is there any cool Arizona hotel art? Uh, there, I don't think we got any of the art. Okay, um, I think most of the art they're moving to other places. Uh, but if you're looking for inexpensive mattresses and <laughs> furniture and stuff. Just keep an eye out. Um, Who for, knew Faith Over Breakfast was yes, going to be a plug for yes. inexpensive mattresses? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But some What's of the happening? furniture is gorgeous. I mean, we're talking really nice. In fact, we just put 13 uh, couch, like couch chairs into our sanctuary. Mm. Uh, so it's pretty sweet. They're really comfortable. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so it's been, it's been fun. 
but it's been stressful for both Chris, who's running it, and um, but hopefully we've got some people in the church who, who are really good at, at doing stuff with Craigslist and selling, and they'll get going on that, and hopefully the liquidators will take big chunks of it for us and just write us a check. That is an insane project. It yeah. is an insane. What we're hoping, I mean, the thing that we're asking God for is that could you sell enough of this furniture to pay off our building? Mm-hmm. And so that's somewhere around eighty, ninety thousand dollars. But who knows? Yeah. Even if we got half of that, it would be incredible. But um, man, we're hoping that God will do something like that. So that's that's. There's a conference, <laughs> and you know, you're starting. I'm at the freak out level when it yeah. comes to conference because I, I I begin to think I don't really have anything. You know, I don't have anything to tell yeah. anybody. Like, what What if this all bombs and it's dumb? And, you know, so I'm just having a... What if it does, man? Yeah, what if it does? Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know. I'm gonna, it'll be it'll be hard. Uh, I'll have to have some counsel on people <laughs> for breakfast afterwards. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I planned a trip already to Seattle. Oh. And Sue and I are flying up there afterwards um, just to get away. I haven't been there in like three or four years. Five, well, five years. And that's, back, back where your ministry uh, began. Yeah, like, well, I think that was of. part of it. And then it's just in November, my wife just loves Seattle. And she just wanted to be there. It's healing for her more, more than even for me. And so I, I just thought, we need to go. We need to spend the money and go. Which I, I have a hard time parting with the money that I oh, save. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a... Why am I paying money to fly somewhere? Yeah. So, anyway, that's uh, that's where we're at with all that. But I am excited. I think the conference is going to be fun. And what yeah. I, I really think is going to be cool is that in some ways our church, who's going a lot of them will attend, are going to hear like, okay, well this is this is the underpinnings of why we've been doing that thing. So some of it they've just been immersed in, but yeah. they haven't heard it all worked out for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So some of that hopefully will will open their eyes to things and they'll get to be part. So. Well, I'm banking on it, not uh, not being a total bust. Okay. I'll be there. And, uh, yeah, I was because gonna be... you will be there. Well, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm going to be there, which means I don't think it's a total bust. <laughs> right. I was going to be I was going to be out of town uh, for the first part, but that that didn't happen. So I'm going to be there for the whole, I think the whole thing. Cool. So you get to you'll get to hear my opening talk. Before. Yeah. Which I was hoping for. I, I didn't want to just be there for the last day and right. kind of miss the... I, I really want to, want to learn from you guys. So. Yeah, there's a lot of content built into the first two days, so yeah. Yeah. Be good. That's awesome. So anyway, yeah, villageconference2017.com. Uh, Is that right? Yes, villageconference. Villageconference2017.com. Uh, yeah, go check it out. Um, anyway. So yeah, so what... It, so there's this. Um, let's jump into this. Let's yeah, jump let's into do the it. sexual harassment stuff. So it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, you know, I, I can't help but admit, right on the front end, that, you know, like, it, it feels to me. I mean, here's Harvey. Harvey Weinstein's been, you know, caught in his ways, right? And then, but uh, I mean, for goodness sakes, like we've got a we got a president who is guilty of it, like big time and publicly, and everybody knows. I mean, we've got it's it's like this is this is a pervasive this this has always been an issue, but it's pretty interesting that you you currently got somebody being thrown out of the Hollywood establishment. Yes. But meanwhile, you've got somebody elevated to the top of the, the you know the power structure of the United States of America, doing the same thing um, on uh, on social media. You've got especially women, but a lot of a lot of folks are 
telling their stories and saying, I've dealt with this too, either telling the story or acknowledging they have a story. Sure. And then, um, and then there's a, a lot of, you know, essentially like, I think, I think there's the stories are being told, but then the question is, you know, what do we do? I mean, when you've got people at the, the top of the nation who are, you know, sexual harassers, um, but that's, that's always kind of been the case to be honest. Right. It really is. And, and then, I mean, this is, this is an issue that, um, so now that we're acknowledging it and we're talking about it and it'll, and this, the hashtag will be gone in a little bit, right? but here it's, it's hot, it's on the presses. Um, what, what do you think in light of this? And, um, and what do we, what do we do with it? And what's the inherent conflict? I think as pastors, we're supposed to be, we're not supposed to just look at things on the, the certain, nobody should. Nobody should just look at things on the surface level, right? But but our role is to go. Okay, hold on. Let's let's dig into this. Let's look deeper into this. So, what are what are, what you are my that? deep thoughts on all this? What are this? your deep? Well, thoughts on my deep thoughts are to start out with is that everything, and, and from the people who know me and sit and talk to me in my church are going to just roll their eyes. But everything starts with power. Yeah. And and power always always is abused when it's let free. Yeah. Um, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Um, the problem is that men have held the power for the majority of history and for the majority of the cultures. There's a few cultures where women hold power, but it's, it's very few yeah. and, and far between. So what we're faced with is a lot of men who have power that's unchecked. Yeah. And when it's unchecked, our sinful nature and our sexual desire are given free reign. And you begin to believe that you deserve and are owed things. And so that, on the top level, is what, you know, you're just seeing power run rampant. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I think the issue becomes, for me, when I think about all of this, is, well, what does the gospel say to power? Like, how do I speak against this? I can say it's wrong. Yeah. That, that, but what I've learned, I think what I'm learning is that as a follower of Jesus, my job is just to say this is wrong. But more importantly, my job is to stand with those who have been victimized. Yeah. And not just that, but to, to join in their victimization. To, like, stand between it, to understand it, to... To, to in, in what you were saying before the podcast, claim my own participation in it. Right. Um, so those are those are things that we have to begin to talk about. The question becomes, how do we do it? Yeah. Like, how do we actually do this? Um, because what happens is we jump on Facebook and we type in "me too." Right. What I've learned as a pastor is that sexual abuse, forget harassment, sexual yeah. abuse is so rampant both with men and women. Yeah. That that one of the the things that we we don't realize is just how many men have been abused and taken advantage of as children and as young people and and then man i would say from my experience at least half of the women in the u.s and probably more worldwide have experienced some form of sexual abuse or sexual harassment i would i mean in my mind i'm thinking half i bet it's well, more. Yeah, right? and we yeah. could probably push it up. I mean, and depending on how you define those terms, we may be up to like 99.9%. Right, right. right. Um, yeah. But the impact of this in, the, in women's lives is very destructive. And so, like, we were talking about Hugh Hefner 
And what women have found is that, and it's very true of an oppressed person, is you take the thing that people want and you yeah. use it for your power. So uh, sexualization, you you take that and you yeah. use it to control and you, and have power over men. And that's so now you have this really weird culture where yeah. we're trying to fight to protect women while they're the mind, they're the one that's being victimized so they're using the very thing that we're trying to like nurture and care for their sexuality and using it for power yeah so they're they're actually there's a brokenness in their victimization so i don't so we're caught you were saying we're caught in this place like what do we do with this yeah. how do we deal with this in our culture <clears throat> oh yeah yeah it's um it's interesting i was talking about a referencing or you know before the podcast there was a there's an article I read on Hefner um, by Ross Duthat. Um, it was in the New York Times, kind of an op-ed piece, and you know he was he was kind of dealing with the fact that we can't decide what to do with these people, um, and we should be able to, but we can't because we have we have these conflicting values. Um, so Hugh Hefner, if you know he he was raised in this puritanical strict environment um and so a lot of people see him as kind of a a poster child for breaking free from christianity right right and it's constraints um those the terrible constraints of of christianity and living free um unencumbered you know saying like look these are my these are my urgings these are my longings this is who i am this is you know, this is who we are as humans. We're sexual beings, and he blew that open and made it acceptable to people. And and you know, a lot of people look at that and say, "Thank you." That's right. you know, in a even though it's kind of, it, but it's confusing, right? Because in a way, it's thank you, but then in a way, it's going. You know, people are going, but there's something sort of still feels kind of dirty. Right, right. And especially Ross Duthat got into the you know Hugh Hefner's life got increasingly more dirty as he got older you right. know inst- it didn't he didn't become a better man he became a creepier man right um, <laughs> and that there's something that means something we should look at that we should consider that where does this lead right but um but you know but but we can't but then you start calling it wrong and dirty and then but on what grounds you know like what what's wrong what's dirty you know the the only way that you can start defining things as wrong and dirty is to start accepting some of those things that Hefner broke away from right. like kind of pure motives like right. so puritan they were trying to be pure right and right. so you know then then if you're asking people to be pure and not dirty and to not objectify anybody then you're putting constraints back on people and uh oh what what about our freedom and and there's this this you know it's complicated right. and so Rusty that was was getting into the fact that we can't we should be able to condemn Hugh Hefner we should be able to look at Hugh Hefner and say no, not okay. Like that's objectifying women. That is not the path to free. That's not freedom. That right. leads you, you know, it led Hefner to being a, a pretty grimy, creepy old man. That's not freedom. Right. Um, living in his house with the, you know, with urine everywhere and the, and the drapes all closed and hiding with pornography on repeat on the televisions. I mean, that's not freedom. No. Um, and, uh, and so, Anyway, you know, but we don't have categories for this. And so, you know, the same, I think the same folks that are saying, like, I can't, I, I don't, well, this objectifying of women isn't okay, are, are struggling 
you know, because then if you're going to accept all these standards that people have to live by, where do you where do you get them, and what happens to your freedom? Right. And so there's there's just a tension. And he said, look, you know, we're we're so conflicted on this that we put a Playboy in the White House. Um, and when you, because when you, the reason that Hefner, I would say, I mean, I think he rebelled against Puritanism because rules don't change hearts. And I think he, he rebelled against the rules. Right. And I think that a huge portion of our nation feels the same way. And so I, I actually wonder if the more we condemn, though I think we should, like I think right. things need to be wrong, but the more that we condemn sexual assault, if there's not going to be this uprising of rebellion, and, you know, Donald Trump's just the beginning. Right. Well, so along those lines of what you're saying, like, our, our nation, forget this, like, sexual harassment. Our nation has become divided. Right? Yeah. We can no longer be friends right. with each other. And part of that is because there's, before, even though things are, have always been messed up, in our culture, it's been a Judeo-Christian culture. Meaning, all that really means is that we said there's a greater law that we can appeal to when making decisions. So there's a justice that we can have. And when there's justice, we can have friendship. Like we can, yeah. because there's something we can appeal to. And it goes back to the, you know, the Nuremberg trials. Why are you doing this? Well, this is the laws of the land. We didn't violate our laws. And so there has to be a greater law. So, there I mean, there must be a greater law. Right. Yeah. And so they have the 10 Commandments in that, that courtroom, they have the 10 commandments on one wall and Adam and Eve on the other. Like there's this, this idea that something greater that we appeal to. I think the reason that like, like, the only way that someone who's been abused or harassed can love and care for someone who abused and harassed them is if yeah. justice happens, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The relationship happens with justice. And justice, and until we embrace Jesus, we can't be friends. Yeah. Like, like, Jesus has to take, the justice has to happen, the consequences. He's the one who takes the punishment for my stupidity. Yeah. And then I can love you because some the price has been paid for your sin against me and my sin against you. And so we can begin to work our relationship out with that, with the cross. And so, so I, work, work that out a little more because I'm thinking like I know I know Christians listen to this, but I know people who are, are figuring that sure, out are, are sure. listening. So so like to make that statement of like we need Jesus, why why Jesus and not you know any of the numerous other religions out there? Why? Well, how I does th- how, I think of my experience? So you know if you and I are friends, and we are yeah. friends. And it's, if our friendship is just around this podcast and the fact that we have similar jobs and we're, we're like each other and we hang out, I guarantee you, at some point, you're going to hurt me. Right. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't already. I, I already have. And I'm not going to ever forgive you for that. Yeah. Right? Like, I might say, oh, it's okay, Andy. Yeah. And, and But always it will come back. Right. Because there's no justice in our relationship. I can't, I can't make you pay enough right. for what you've done to me. We know that internally that there's got to be some kind of consequence for the pain, but we can't we can't figure out what that is. Like it's confu- Like I, I so I, you say something mean to me, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to punish you, so I'll hit you in the face. Right. That's not going to like I'm not going to feel like justice has been meted out because well, s- even though you've inflicted pain on me, there's no restitution for you. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. You you still don't get you know like. Say worst case scenario, I, I took the life of someone close to you. Okay, you put me in an electric chair. I'm gone. You still don't have that person. That's no. co- there is no. You have not been restored. No, I have not been restored. 
and yeah. neither have you and neither have I it's and it and, it, and now there's just and if, you've uh, you've exacted revenge yes but that doesn't equal justice and following Buddha is not going because Buddha's going to tell me to work harder and to place my feelings somewhere else to right. like separate myself from them yeah and to, to I mean when Buddha died he was you know work harder yeah, you know, and that is the mode of most faith, even if it's not a, a religious faith, a secular right. faith. It's always work harder, you know. Believe in yourself. Do none of those things work. Only Christianity says the restitution, the forgiveness, all happens in the death of Jesus yeah. and the victory over that death. Because we all know that the only thing like is going to resolve it is when you die and I die, and we don't think about it anymore. Like. Like yeah. that, and we just become dirt. Yeah. That's it, unless there's something else. Um, and I think that, like, but but what makes our relationship work around the cross is that when you said something mean to me, like you can, if you understand that Jesus died for that, you can come sit. You can understand my pain. Yeah, you can connect to the pain that you caused me. And we can we can find forgiveness in what Jesus has done. I know that seems abstract, but it's powerful. It's a thing that changes us. Yeah, I've I've been thinking in light of the the hashtag Me Too because you know I I'll say really quick a couple. I, I'm not big on like getting into the social media frenzy on these issues. Um, at least not in the way of of uh, you know typing 140 characters or whatever. Right, that I'm doesn't that. seem to go well in general but especially not i don't know i watch pastors do it and you just get a big explosion and i don't know what good it does but when you can work something out and and hear the intonations of somebody's voice and yeah. it, it's it's something different but i was proud of a couple of guys from our church who because we've been talking a lot at our church in fact this last week we talked about sexual immorality which is it's a tough topic but we talked sure. about how the gospel um changes the way that we view other people and make the makes these things just feel utterly out of place, um, and it and it makes them sickening to us, even though they're they're a part of of us. And then when we feel how sickening this part of me is, but then see that God entered into human history and said, "I will take the sickening parts of you. I will take your you know porneia, the the word for sexual immorality. I will take the." The, the justice for mm. all of your pornea on myself. Yes, I, you know, I'll be treated like a, I'll be treated like a, like an abuser, right. though I was not, so that you can be forgiven. And when you see that, you know, everything's true about you. It's all true. You, yeah, you're you're sexually abusive. You, in, in your thoughts, words, and deeds, that idea in the scripture is so pervasive. It means like, even if you just have the slightest hint of, of objectifying somebody in, in any moment you're that's sexual immorality you know that you've taken somebody's who they are and their body and you've you've not treated it with all the respect and dignity and, and as a, as a, just a beautiful creation of God as a sister as a brother as right. a mother as a father if you haven't thought of somebody in that way consistently all the time then you objectify them and you are guilty of this and so if you see that truth that Jesus then suffered because of that and then you know comes to you and says you know i will i will cover over that sin now what you're able to do is you're able to admit who you are and what you've done 
but not be riddled with guilt and shame where you can't move forward and you can actually admit who you are and what you've done to people and you can change and you can heal and you can bring healing in those relationships by admitting it. So a couple guys at our church um, I've noticed have, you know, on social media said, I do this. Sure. You know, even if you don't view me, I'm, I'm no Harvey Weinstein, I guess, but in my heart I do this and I'm sorry. And I'm proud of them for that because um, that I know that they, they're doing that because they believe in the gospel, because they have the guts to, to admit it, because they know that Jesus is covering them in their shame, and so they don't have to hide and act righteous, act like, I don't do that. Who would do that? Unbelievable, you know? Right. Oh, Hugh Hefner, unbelievable. They're going, oh, man, in my heart I could go there. I could be Hugh Hefner. In my heart I, I'm Harvey Weinstein. I need grace. I need forgiveness. I don't want to walk in this, so I'm bringing it into the light, you know. And that's the that's the amazing thing that the gospel does that is so different. You know, it's so unique. It, it is, and I think we have two two interesting tracks. One that you're talking about is you go. How do we live out as men and women in the church together right. and care for each other and learn to be sexual beings? Right who um, honor one another. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the reality is, when I, some words that you said, like one, how, like when I don't honor a sister or brother as a beautiful, powerful, whatever the, yeah. the adjectives you want to use that are holy, like we, we've tried to divorce sexuality from, from our humanity in order to be able to be good brothers and sisters. Right. Yeah, act like that's not there, right. which that doesn't work either. Does right, it? and so I think yeah. it's very confusing for yeah. us, especially when you're younger. I oh, mean, yeah. as you get older, you begin, I mean, obviously, even the hormones and the chemicals change in your body, oh, yeah. and so how you understand yourself in context to, to your brothers and sisters is different. But, um, yeah, so we haven't developed a good language to talk about that Yeah, just in the church. But then we jump into culture where, I mean, sexuality is on every commercial. Oh, yeah. And it's on every show. Yeah. And it's in every part of our culture. And um, it's and there's no picture of something healthy. Right. And, so, then, we're, and then we're surprised that the, the maker of the English patient, you know, off screen is also sexually immoral. Right. We're surprised by that, right? We are. Well, yeah. and, and I don't know, was it was it in this podcast that we talked about the culture of hookups? Wasn't that? In the, uh, yeah, I'm maybe. Pretty, I thought yeah. we did. And, and just the, the way that our culture has gotten to the place where sexuality has even been divorced from relationship. Yes, yeah. we did talk about yeah. that in this, these podcasts. So we're so messed up. Like So for me, when we see the Me Too, I'm like, well... I think what we need is to say, okay, not only have I been sexually harassed, but I have harassed. Yes, right. Like, that nobody... Even if you don't think I have, I right. have. Yeah. Nobody has not participated in mm-hmm. this culture that's yeah. a perversion. Now, there are places where it's very exaggerated. Yeah. And where power, yeah. has, where we can take our power and use it to, to dominate other people and get what we want in that area. Right. So and, what do we do as a church? Yeah. But it's, you know, what we can't do is just clip the, the tops off the dandelions, like in just eradicating the, the big situations. And when it's in the powerful place, that, that's not, I mean, it's there because it's pervasive in all of our hearts. Like we have to get down to the root of this within ourselves 
and within, you know, and, and I don't think we have the, I don't think we have the, the power to do it. I mean, I, you know, in and of ourselves, you know, the interesting thing that I was toying with a term before this, that I was, I was trying to get at what, you know, it's confusing because one thing I've noticed is that a, the new trend, and I would say my circles, I don't, I don't hang out most of the time at this point in my life with like conservatives, right. you know, I grew up in the church. And so there's that in my, in my history, but by and large, it's just not my, those aren't my circles. It's not my friend group. Um, so I'm, I don't feel like I'm in that world. And so the, the interesting thing for me is, you know, I get, I understand like the religious right and the fundamentalist sure. cause I, I've been around those folks in my life. But in the last at least five, six years, I'm not really around those folks. But I've noticed that the method for change in the, in the community I'm in now is the same. Yes. It's exactly the okay. same. And, I, and, and we don't see it. You know? And these, these groups, the, the fundamentalists, would look over at you know, people I, I love and hang out with now and go, you know, oh man, they're not righteous. You know, they don't do they don't do the right thing. They don't they don't live under the right standard. And the folks that I love and hang out with now, and I'm not sure how to classify that group, but but who I mean, who would say like they've rejected fundamentalism and over right, there. right. But they're looking over at the the religious fundamentalists and stuff like that and saying you're not righteous. <laughs> you know, in in a different language, but saying you don't you're you're hypocritical. You know, you don't do the right thing. You're, you obstruct freedom. You, you know, push down, you oppress, you do these things. Um, and then even in this, in this situation with the, the sexual harassment, I mean, the message I'm hearing is unbelievable. How could you, this is wrong. This needs to stop. Okay. You know, there that's, so my, my term for it, is sexual or uh, not sexual secular puritanism right because puritanism is this idea of saying you just need to do the right thing and that's not you know the the old puritanism it wasn't no, that simple no, of course but simple. but but the you know the base idea like what Hugh Hefner rejected was toe up do the right thing stop it right don't act out and he went and everything within the core of his being rebelled against that he said, no, I will be myself. I will live for myself. I have desires. People have desires. We will not repress who we are. I, you know, I will be who I am. We will be who we want to be. Um, and that's exactly what happens when you try to govern people's actions with rules. And so this, this sexual puritanism that I see, or secular puritanism, is I don't think it's going to work. And I kind of want to tell my, my friends, like, getting on social media and telling people, stop it, this is wrong, how could you? At the end of the day, like, what you're going to do is there's going to be a whole segment of society that hides more. Right. They're going to hide their sin more. And the this, you know, this sexual stuff is going to happen behind closed doors more. Right. And it's going to become, it's going to be more infectious. And the rebellion is gonna is gonna be greater, and you're gonna see, you know, a group of liberal and conservative folks who say, "I will not be restrained. Right. I'm a sexual being. This isn't inherently wrong. It's right. who I am. It's my animal instinct. Right. It's locker talk. I'll do what I want. You know, and you can't you can't judge me. Don't right. judge me. How often do we hear those words? Right. right. And 
um, it's not going to work. So what's the alternative? It's a good question. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so anyway, I just, um, I guess I want to, I want to talk through that. Like we're used to catching it in Christian terms, but I'm, I'm saying this is like, I think this is a cultural, especially Western cultural issue is that we as a culture are still, we haven't learned that governing with the rules and, and saying you should be pure right now doesn't change hearts. No. And I don't know if we ever can I don't. <laughs> in, well, in culture. I, no, you're right. right. You're I right. mean, because we go back to the Puritans, uh-huh. I mean, that's what they believe. Yeah. They believe that they could create a utopia, yeah. um, uh, bringing the kingdom to bear now in a fullness. Uh-huh. So I, I don't... But well, I, so maybe one thing we need to do, though, is, is say we've got to pull the rug out from under this idea that you're going to create righteousness, however you define righteousness, right? Right. Like we might define it one way according to the scriptures, but you might define it, you know, when you think of your ideal world where everybody gets along the way that they should, to think that you're going to create that by imposing standards of purity and asking people to obey them, it will not work. Right. Well, I think it's... So, Mosaic and... Uh, I don't remember... Forget his name. Aaron McManus. Yeah. He talks about what if we did not rate churches by their success by how big they were, uh-huh. but how how the crime rate was in their city. Right. And basically how people were taken care of, how the... Yeah. The, the the sexual harassment levels yeah. were in their community, and I think that's revolutionary in this sense is that I don't think most churches view their role is to create leaders, but yeah. not leaders to fit into ministries, right? But leaders in the in community, the community, yeah. So that they bring the gospel. See, well, I think we've been bringing the leaders we have created in the past, yeah, is we've been bringing the rules. Yes, we have brought. Our version of Puritanism. Right. Instead yeah. of the gospel. Yeah. And what's happened is, and, and there are people out there like, you know, um, Vander, whatever, the Soma churches, those yeah. people, they're trying to create something they call gospel fluency. There's the gospel coalition. This is this new movement. Yeah. Vander Stelt, gospel yeah. fluency. Yeah, yeah. All these guys. And, and I love their work, but I yeah. think they're just begun. I don't think they have... I think there's, there's two, they're all trying to formulize it a little bit too much, but they're doing a good job. They're making yeah. the shift. The, the train is moving, or they're trying to move the train. But we have to, we as churches have to say, okay, how do we create leaders? And, and, and everyone is a leader. Yeah. Everyone. Oh, Our yeah. kids are leaders. Um, and when, it's not the gift of leadership. It's not we're all these charismatic. No, we can bring the gospel in power with the Holy Spirit to bear on every different place. Yeah. You know, and like you were saying in your sermon, I'm assuming that you were speaking from that, is that the gospel changes the way I look at you. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly the where we ended The rules don't. Up. Right. They just tell me you've done a bad job or you're doing a good job. The yeah. gospel tells me you're loved and I'm called to love you. Because within, within our church, you know, the prerequisite to being a Christian is to admit that you are so utterly riddled by sin that you you don't have any hope. Right. That's the way. If, so if you're wondering, how do you come to the village? How do you go, you know, not come, but, you know, how do no, you... how do you become a follower of yeah, Jesus? Yeah, how do you become a follower of Jesus? And, you know, is that's where it starts. Is yeah. you, you realize, I can't fix this in myself. Right. It's worse than I want to admit. It's, 
and it's so pervasive and I can't fix it. Okay, so then now you're in a great position to understand you need mercy. You need help. And God is full of mercy and grace. And so that all the way back in the Old Testament when God, when you first hear the name of God, it's, you know, the Lord, the Lord, and it's a God of mercy. Right. You know, filled with steadfast love and forgiveness. Right. And so, but by nature, the community of the church is, is people who are guilty of stuff. Right. right. But you've been given this, you've been given this amazing gift of forgiveness and acceptance. And then you're brought into a family and you're considered part of like, you have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. You're brought in, you're, you're brought, you're united, you're changed. And your only hope is in Jesus. And so within our church, that, that's exactly the discussion is like, because we have all been, we all have the same savior to whom we're eternally grateful to, with whom we'd have, without whom we'd have no hope. And because, you know, he's, he's given us a common, like he's bound us together as family. Like we can't view each other the same. You know, we, we can't look at each other as objects uh, which to just satisfy myself. Right. It changes our view of each other. And then I, I went further to say that because the kingdom of God, um, as as kind of worked out in the scriptures, you know, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, right. all of its people. And so since the kingdom of God is like God wants his his goodness to be known throughout the earth and and he wants to restore things so that's where like our our justice and our vengeance can't restore anything but god actually says he will restore things right and so if that's true this is a worldwide like hope yes and i think that was key i was waiting for you to say that one word yeah (laughs) (laughs) a worldwide hope so that means that we start treating people who aren't within the community as brothers and sisters, yes. as like we're giving people a taste of the kingdom. So we worked out the idea of like when Jesus says, "Be the salt of the earth, be the light of the world." I mean, he's he's saying salt is something everybody wants. Your your mouth's designed for it. You have taste receptors. You crave it. Even if you can't have it, you want it. You do. Right. Everybody does. Right. And light is something we want. I remember my my architect buddy Michael you know, taught me about ocular centrism that, you know, when you're, when you're an architect, you know, you want light in the room to draw people in. Everybody's drawn to light. We want it. And so like when people see, cause we all long for righteousness, which is why we're trying to do this Puritan thing. Right. But when, when people see people who, who love, you know, without exploitation, which is a miracle, right? An absolute miracle that can only be, happen through Jesus like who who you know don't objectify who do this stuff that that's something that the whole world's wanting right you know and so yeah so we've got to raise up people whose hearts are changed who start treating people in their community the way Jesus would treat them right there's power now that's a slow moving process that happens it's you know it and it requires you admit that you're absolutely corrupted by sin and that you're abusive and that all those things. Well, I think some of the things that you've said and uh, like, see, we're talking about when you went back to Hugh Hefner. So what the culture says is that it's about me. Right. But the gospel says it's always about Jesus. Uh, absolutely. And what, what we don't believe 
is that that's freeing. Yeah, that sounds that's that actually, sounds constraining. <laughs> right. But when it's about me, you end up in a prison. Yeah, entangled in your own lies and your own suspicions. And you can't and, see the truth about yourself. No, and it's dark. Yeah. Um, and so I think, like, but that's the cost of the gospel. Yeah. It really is not, oh, I can't believe that God had a son, like the son of God is God, and, like, all the complexities of the Trinity. Right. Like, actually, the brain is pretty easy. It's, yeah, that makes sense. And What's once hard you, is once me. You, yeah. Once you're able to, that's why Jesus always started stuff like, started with stuff like, okay, will you sell everything you own and fall after me? He didn't. He didn't start off with like, hey, let's work out the doctrine of the Trinity or, or whatever. You right. know? And when asked by John, John the Baptist, is it you? He's like, well, uh, the blind can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even, he didn't even give him a clear answer. Right. right. Well, he's saying the evidences are here. Why are you asking this question? Yeah. You know, and I think that that's a big part of it is the cost is to say, okay, it's not about me. Yeah. It's about Jesus. And he says his burden is light. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful, like, because the burden of my sexuality is very heavy. And if I begin to worship it and nurture it and look at it and feel oppressed by it and not to know what to do with it, it becomes destructive. And for that matter, the burden of being good is very heavy. Like, the yeah. burden, like, when you look at, I mean, you know, if when you start going out there, like, I've, I've been feeling this on, like, the race and the sexuality, and, like, you feel this, like, oh, no, like, am I, am I, am I doing well enough in the race category am I doing well enough in the sexuality category and oh those are just two big categories right now and there's all these other ones like what about all my business practices and what about am I do I always tell the truth and if you're trying to live up to that oh my gosh it's crushing and mm-hmm. and you can't carry that burden you can't do it no you like nobody can and that's why just just the the stuff like stop it that just adds to the load. Yeah. It's like, oh no, here's another area. Unless, unless you're blind to it. Right. Unless you just, you're deluded and think I'm, I'm really good. Right. I'm really righteous. And, and the truth is you're not. Right. And, and starting like when you can admit that I'm not, but Jesus was, and yeah. he offers his righteousness for my, and that's, that costs you everything. Cause it's no longer you and you're not proud of yourself, but it gives you the absolute freedom to change. Yeah. And to and to know Jesus and to be reconciled to people, and actually at the end of the day, you know, if Jesus is onto something here, which we think he is, then he actually restores that which is broken. Yeah. So let's ask a practical question because yeah. I got a twelve-year-old son, yeah, and a sixteen-year-old daughter, yeah, who live in this world, yeah, right. So they they're told certain things about sexuality. They're yeah. told some certain things about value as a male or a female. They're hold certain things about what power is we have these things and then they have they're growing up in a gospel church in a kingdom church um how do how do we both inside our community and then releasing them into the culture help them grow up in a way that they can understand these things in practical ways and apply them to their lives because my experience has been that growing up in a church that's for young women is that they've been told as Christian in the fundamentalist end is that you have to be very careful in the way that you dress and yeah. the way so there's all these procedures and steps and same for men like mm-hmm. I'm I'm you know I've worked with young men forever and it's like and the message is usually try really hard stop don't look at women don't look at any you know if right. there's a Vanity Fair magazine 
turn it you over. Know, turn, turn it all over. All the ones over in the magazine. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Just It's just like, try, try, try. Yeah, and then, you know, all the other things that go along with that. So... Brian's not here for the for if the only Brian was here, but <laughs> you know, I, like the same effect might happen if we were to ask him for his yeah. input. Yeah. Brian, <laughs> Brian, what's, what's going on? Okay. What's uh, oh, he didn't say anything. Okay. <laughs> oh man. So so for me, the the approach to all of this is is with a sixteen year old girl yeah. is that she on one hand has to understand that she's becoming a woman that yeah. God created her as a sexual being. That that very sexuality is alluring, right, and tantalizing and arousing. Yeah. Right, these are things that are good; they're she, not yeah. bad things. But she should understand that. Yeah, she needs yep. to understand that. As a young, for my son, it's helping him understand that he's got similar things, and that both of them respond. Yeah. Um, so those are all things that just even just saying that these are okay. I think is the first step of the gospel in some ways of just saying this is the way you were created. Yeah. Because part of the gospel not, is not you just... You should be ashamed of it. Right? Yeah, it's living out the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And and repenting when you, you don't. But So I think there's that. But I think there is a there is a picture of being a woman and being a man that is just not well developed yet. Yeah, you're right. That's counter to the traditional Christian way of oh, talking yeah. and counter to the culture mm-hmm. and so like for instance a very practical thing I grew up always thinking okay every time I see a pretty girl walk by uh, and any girl would walk by and I, that I'm supposed to avert my eyes I'm not supposed yeah. to look but I, I'm and how weird to, is that it, you know and super and, weird you know our my co-pastor and the guy we know well Rod he helped me walk through that early on in our mystery and just saying look like God created this woman. She's beautiful. You should say, this woman is beautiful. Right. Don't avert your eyes. Say, God, thank you for beauty. Yeah. Thank you for for sexuality. And then move on. Yeah. You know? Uh Worship God for what he's created and leave it alone. I had a friend years ago who said something to the same effect of, you know, when you see a beautiful woman, instead of either like acting like you don't like just watching them and, and indulging in that or acting like they don't exist, which is weird. He said, look them in the eye and say hello. Yeah. And, and, and like engage and, yeah. and, and then, you know, treat them like a human being and that, yeah. and you know, and that changes everything. And, and I, you know, I talked to my daughter about there is like, there is a power to a young woman who understands that her physicality brings a particular kind of power into a room, understands how to treat that so it's not, you know, it's not there flaunting it and saying, right. I want you to, I want you to, to right. devour me. I'm offering myself. And enjoying the pleasure of being enjoyed without the pleasure of offering to be devoured. Right. And that's a, that's a, a, a thing that you have an art. It's a craft. Well, it's a, it's, it's a, funny because the thing I just thought of was was art. Like, and this is you know if, if if God is a creator, then this that is exactly what we are. We are know? art, yes. And um, oh. and it's you know yeah, beautiful art must be acknowledged as such, yes. right? But is not to be. What what's a tragedy is when you know like that piece of art that was stolen from the U of A. Where somebody <coughs> says Excuse that me. must be mine and mine alone, and right. I will take it and I will put it in my dark room of my home, and it will be just mine and, and no one else. Like, and it's it's about me, you know. I get it. 
belongs to me. Like that's, oh my gosh, you know, now that's an acknowledgement of beauty that goes into, it's selfish and it's wicked and it's terrible. And, and we all celebrate when it's undone, you know, and, but, but the beauty of the art isn't supposed to be hidden or, or treated as if it's not such. Right. Okay. And, and I think, you know, I mean, I think the what culture wants to say is that men and women are the same. Right. And that they just have these differences that are very, very minor. Right. But I think even in a gospel world, men and women are different. Oh, yeah. And it's not, and you know, I'm not talking about complementarian or egalitarian. There's just a difference in the way right. that the art has been formed. Yeah. And so when it's seen and enjoyed, it brings a different power, a different creativity. Yeah. And it's something that we're supposed to revel in and enjoy. And, and a man can walk into a room and offer it to be devoured. Okay. Or offer oh, yeah. it to be enjoyed. And I think that those are, you know, it's not any different. That part's right. not different. It's just a different kind of art. And yeah. And I think the thing is we don't like abstraction. Yeah. But but God's an abstract artist in there. He likes to leave things nuanced. Yeah. And I think that's hard for us. We want it all lined up. We want all the ducks to be in a row. We want to figure out how to tell our young women and our young men how to behave and do what they're supposed to do. And it's not. It's yeah. It's you get lost in this conversation, you know. I mean, yeah. it's because the artist isn't doesn't want it all lined out. I think. Yeah. I think God is beautiful that way. Oh but yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if that answers this whole sexual harassment thing, but I do think. Well, I that, think I think that's a huge piece of it because because at the end of the day, if it's just stop. I mean, that was one of the confusing things for me is like some of the some of the the, the folks that you know, that I, I see like reporting about the sexual harassment stuff. I've also seen in my perception using their body to get attention. Sure. Right. And so that's confusing to me. Um, and so, you know, I think we have to have these discussions because I think we're confused. Right. Like, we, we are all confused right. and, and it's like, we've got to know, like, yeah, we have like, we have these bodies there. There doesn't need to be hiding and shame that, right. that we are sexual beings. Like you're saying, but then at the same time, we're, we're not to exploit it, and it's not to be exploited. Um, but then outside of a framework of God as the artist, I don't think that discussion's even possible. I agree. It all is all meaningless. We're all just, we're just, you know, we, we just develop, we're just animals. It doesn't matter. Right. But, it, you know, we're saying to, to, I think, churches and to everyone that listens to us, you know it matters. Like, yeah. Watch your social media feed. People, you know, they they want to be have honor and dignity, and for their beauty to be seen as beauty, but not exploited. And that points to an artist, and right. and we've got to wrestle with this. Yeah, right. And I mean, I think we, we live in this world where you know chaos, you know, and fear and loneliness are the three things that we battle with yeah. over and over again. And and maybe you could add a fourth in the sense that. If we think we're perfect or okay, then we're in denial. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yes. And that's really all. That, and so, where we're our sexuality is in chaos, you know, it's in fear and it's in loneliness. Everything that we struggle with is that way. And so, we don't know what to do. There's no answer in culture for this. No. Only no. the gospel answers these questions. Only the gospel brings peace. And, and I, I was just on the way here. I was listening to a study by some neurologist who said who just been doing this for ten years, and he was talking about. How our brains, like when we get together, so you and I getting together yeah. every week, our brains will line up. Yeah. And I begin to want to be more like you, and you want to be more like me. Yeah. 
And so I, I love that because when you step into a true community of people who are having this right. conversation, you know, I want to be more like them. Yeah. And, and then it's true. You see teenagers get together and you're like, oh my gosh, they get oh, yeah. in the wrong group. They're, they're brain waves are lining up and it's like, oh, this is not good. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that God has designed in us. Oh yeah. Which is why community is so important, right? Like, Hugely important. And, and you know, I've, I'm always bringing up the book, You Are What You Love by James. Yeah, Smith. we both it's love that book. Great. But I mean, essentially he's saying in order to, to view things the way that we're talking about, you need a community that trains you, you know, to to believe these true things about God and, and trains you to live out of them and, and you need rhythms and patterns mm-hmm. because you're being shaped right. to love something and if it's yourself you will you will exploit yeah. if it is if you begin to love God especially through the gospel you will love and sacrifice yes and that is and that is hard and it's gonna it takes a life a lifelong community, but like you're saying, like we're we're designed for community. That's how it happens. That's right. how we change. Right. If we're in a community of exploitation, we exploit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm not. I'm not here to say all churches. I, a lot of churches are communities of exploitation. I agree. And I'm sorry. Yeah. It's but it just just because somebody puts a cross on the building and reads the Bible doesn't mean they they're walking with Jesus and trusting and believing the gospel deeply. Well, and let's just be honest, the, the village and mission church nope. are churches of exploitation. Yeah. I because, mean, because we're all, it's a, it's a struggle. And it's a group of broken people yeah. trying to follow Jesus yeah. And, oh, yeah. and embracing the forgiveness. But uh, we do exploit. Yeah. We do take advantage. We do play politics. We do yeah. all of these things. Yep. Um, because power is an evil force. Like it's given, I mean, it's a good, it's a neutral force, but it's but evil has attached itself to it. And, and if, just, and which is why, like at both of our churches, I mean, we confess that this that that we have these issues every week, right? And we're and 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 we need people in our community to say, hey, you're blind to it here. Actually, yeah. you're you don't confess enough. Yeah, no, and I think one of the things that I try to say, and it's hard for me to say, is that I am disappointing. Yeah. Oh. I'm very disappointing to you guys, and you will be disappointed. And I have backed away in fear in some oh, of your yeah. guys' lives. And so if you join the village, don't expect me to be perfect, but expect me to be held accountable. Yeah. Um, and I'm willing to have that, even though it's terrifying. But I want you to know that there's this, the good is not because we've mastered some cool no. community. The good is because we're just going to hang on to this cross yeah. and, and look towards the resurrection and the hope. Yeah, it's one of my favorite scriptures um, from Paul's where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Yes. And, you know, some you could take that to mean, I follow Christ perfectly, follow me. Right. I take that to mean... I'm following after Jesus, which means I'm always repenting of the <laughs> the wrong things in me, and I'm always stumbling and needing His mercy and His grace. But in following Him, you know, I'm I'm a recipient of mercy all the time. So don't look at me; look at Jesus. I'm following. I'm trying to right. follow Jesus, and He's being really gracious toward me. Right. So whatever for whatever reason, I'm a pastor of a church. I'm still not quite clear on that. Right. But well, maybe because God's power is manifest in weakness. In weakness, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I want people to look to Jesus, yeah. um, you know, and 
and uh, and you know there there's there are times days this morning last night when I wasn't doing it and and I'm sorry and I and I need I need my church to walk with me right yeah right because it's not just repenting and saying oh I'm sorry I messed up oops it's saying no I, I want to be in you know conform yeah. to the likeness of Christ but. Obviously, yesterday, five minutes ago, I was not. Yeah. And so, how did I impact you? What can I do differently? How can I, yeah. you know, this, I understand that I'm forgiven for this, so I need to step into what is good. And, and not hide it. Yeah. Well, I think we've we've said a lot here. Woo! So, <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us for breakfast. Uh, thanks to the folks at XO Coffee here in Tucson, Arizona, for letting us set up in the loft. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next week. Thanks, Andy.